in artistic research, I don't think we produce knowledge. I think we do something else. And this something else creates conditions of possibilities for other practices to develop. But it's not the question of transmitting the product of A to B. It's a question of bringing practices together. It's a model of coexistence instead of a model of transmission. Welcome to the latest podcast in our Arts Research Africa Dialogue series. These dialogues are intended to stimulate practice, enable research, and inspire collective engagement around the question of artistic research in Africa. I'm Professor Christo Doherty, the Head of Artistic Research in the Witt School of Arts. In this dialogue, I'll be speaking to Dr. Alex Ortega, a leading European artist researcher who works with text, sound, video, photography, essays, and installations according to the nature of his projects and their specific research issues. Alex is currently teaching courses at the Berlin University of the Arts, the Film University of Catalonia, and the Graduate School of the University of Lapland. As a researcher, he works for the University of Applied Arts in Vienna. He has received professional degrees in piano and theory of music, has a master's degree in electroacoustic music, and he studied architecture at the Berlin University of the Arts. He obtained his PhD in philosophy at the Humboldt University of Berlin. Alex's videos and sound installations have been exhibited in museums and venues across Europe, and he has co-edited seven books and published numerous papers in his varied field of interest. Great pleasure to meet with you in virtual person. Let's start by your background and how it brought you to the kind of artistic research you're currently practicing. You have a complex and diverse educational background with studies in piano, music composition, architecture, and philosophy. And I note on the philosophical side, your strong leaning towards the phenomenological approach. How did this very diverse background lead you into the realm of artistic research? Yeah, this is always an interesting question. I think the the whole evolution of my work and my education is quite uh, organic. I mean, it developed in a in a very spontaneous way from the work itself. Well, I was going to say, unfortunately, you have to begin somewhere, but yeah, you have to begin in a discipline. So we are still in a disciplinary landscape of education. So I began with music, piano. Clearly, my interest was towards composition. When I moved to Berlin, 1996, to study composition, actually, so I moved towards, so I met there a very, very interesting uh, world, which I didn't expect it. So I was much more in New York and in a post-John Cage uh, scene than in the German music scene. And then I moved towards sound art, actually. Already I had a background not only in composition, but also in electronic music. And my interest in the field of sound art was focused on the relationship between sound and space, and to be more clear, between organized sound and architecture. Yeah? So this was where like, the drift began, and then I, I decided to study architecture, although I didn't finish it. And actually, the way towards philosophy in which I wrote my PhD was rather led by my social or political interests. So there were some issues uh, in this time, I subsumed this interest with the term sustainability, which I thought I cannot resolve only in my work as a sound artist, as I was defining myself, or architectural 
related sound artist. So I went for a PhD in, in philosophy, actually dealing with the relationship between cognition, perception, and artistic practice, or as we will see, aesthetic practices, I prefer. And actually, I remember a very funny moment, which is actually the answer to your question. When I was writing my PhD in philosophy, and I said, gosh, this is what I've been doing the whole time. I've been always a researcher. And then, okay, say, okay, this was the point when my colleagues, composers, uh, or sound artists, especially composers, were saying, you are not one of us, yeah? It was also clear for me, no, I'm not one of you, yeah? So, yeah, there is a difference, let's say. Which was this difference? Uh, I was a researcher, so I was composing when I was organizing sound. I was I was dealing with sound and space, not in order to produce pieces, not in order to produce installations, but in order to understand. So artistic practice was always, from the very beginning, a research practice for me. So I think all my work was research-driven or, or was, was, was oriented towards understanding. And then I, it was a time when I said, wow, this is what now is called artistic research, you know? So actually I found a name to what I was always me. This was my feeling. In a community, you know, in a context, it's a kind of a way of socializing. Alex, Talking about community, I understand you're currently working as a freelancer, teaching specific courses at three very different universities. That's the Berlin University of the Arts, where you're teaching on the MA Sound Studies and Sonic Arts program. You're also teaching at the Film University of Catalonia and at the Graduate School of the University of Lapland. And as a researcher, I know you've been connected to the University of Applied Arts in Vienna, although you're not formally teaching there. From your experiences at this range of different institutions, what is your sense of how artistic research has been taken up across Europe? Yeah, it is a very vivid and expanding territory. And I've seen in the last almost 20 years a strong evolution. Yeah, So the last context in which I could... Um, Check actually your question was in the last annual conference of the Society for Artistic Research, organized by three uh, art universities in Vienna. And I would say this is absolutely my personal perspective, but I see that there are a kind of a two very divergent tendencies. The one is to reinforce the idea that art itself is research which was an old argument in the old discussions about is old art artistic research or is there a difference between art and artistic research? Yeah? I observe a tendency to say art is research. So if we do art, we are researching. And I see a kind of contrary tendency to say artistic research is doing art and then researching on that. Yeah. So this is what I call the additional model. So your artist ends on top of that, you are a researcher. And this is a tendency that goes much more in a kind of a cultural studies, social studies, humanities, but actually I would say cultural studies tendencies. So this is also the tendency which is absolutely based on writing, on language and writing, and I would say academic writing. And I see kind of this split, this difference. And what I don't recognize in any of these both tendencies, so I'm somehow in between or in a third way, which of course is not 
only me who is seeing that. So, but my idea or my tendency is that artistic research is not art, it's something different than doing art, but it's not cultural studies with a visual components or sensuous components. So my idea is that artistic research is a form of mobilizing the epistemic power of aesthetics. Aesthetics not, we will also come to this point, aesthetics not as a philosophical discipline, but actually as a way of being in the world. Yes, we definitely will come to explore that further. I think that's a particularly interesting aspect of your thinking. But maybe in working towards that, let's use the chronology of your major research projects to explore the evolution of your practice and thinking. And as a researcher working adjacent to architectural practice, you have developed the notion of auditory architecture, and you founded what you named the Auditory Research Unit at the Berlin University of the Arts in 2008. What were the results of this project, which I know was very much based on engagement with specific spaces in Berlin? And what lessons did you draw? or do you draw from this research about the relationship between the auditory and the visual in architectural thinking? This is uh, actually my focus on my work in relation to, to sound. I recently wrote a text which is going to be a chapter in a new book, which is going to be the Sound Studies Reader, which will be published by the University of the Arts Berlin. And I had to change the names. I go now for oral architecture instead of auditory architecture. In order to point out that oral architecture is a field of practices, of research and design practices, which deal with the relationship between orality and the environment. We could talk for hours about that. But the main idea there is that, and this is something related to, to my research project, Architecture of Embodiment, First of all, that architecture is a field of design practices which deals with the constitution of environments. So I'm interested in the idea of architecture which is not related to the design of objects, which is unfortunately the main tendency in architecture, but an idea of architecture as a discipline in which interventions in the emerging of environments are realized. Yeah? And then the question of oral architecture is how these practices, which are research and design practices, can be realized in the field of orality, which is giving a preeminence of activities, of actions, of listening and hearing. Yeah. So the idea of an oral architecture is how to intervene in the environment through research and design practices focusing these practices in oral actions, in actions of listening and hearing. So I'm much more interested in this in a productive way of saying, let's produce sound, let's organize sound, let's make interventions. Yeah, this all is possible. But the first thing is, how is the environment in which this intervention is going to take place? And how is the environment if we interact with this environment orally? This is the big project, you know, this is the vision of the project, let's say. Well, there's plenty of lessons I take, the lessons that result from this work. This refers a lot to the, to the concept of environment, which is, I didn't touch this point before, 
related to my phenomenological and an activist approach and also really the ways environments are constituted so appear for us in another way if we address them orally yeah so as we all know we are in a and architecture is of course not the exception we are in a visual dominated culture if i can talk to you about one culture and to put it in simple terms the world is another world an environment is a local world if we listen and hear as a predominant action so i didn't relate so much to the relationship between the visual and the oral but much more the relationship between the oral and the environment I'm also very interested in what I've read about your non-hierarchical approach to the structure and methodology of research. And could you speak about that in relation to your next big research project, which I understand was the architecture of embodiment? Yeah, architecture of embodiment is actually what I like to name a research environment. So a platform and a framework in which I realize specific projects And the main research question in this environment is how does architecture condition the emergence of sense? So this is a clearly an activist formulation. And in regard to the methodology, I began to develop there a methodology that I call today, or a methodological approach, I would say, that I call today ecology of research and design practices. Basically, an ecology of research practices, but this can be extended to all kinds of practices. The basic idea is the idea of ecology, meaning a methodology based on a specific, a project and subject matter specific link between any kind of practices, potentially, yeah, without establishing or without departing from a hierarchy between them. So... This is an attempt to break with the paradigm of the disciplines and move toward a much more operative, in my opinion, paradigm of relationship between practices. And there is where the non-hierarchization in the methodology begins. Yeah? So we are all practitioners. There is no division between theory and practice. Yeah? A philosopher is as much a practitioner as a piano player, an anthropologist is as much a practitioner as a filmmaker, and there is the first space where we meet. In order to deactivate hierarchies, we have to create a common space. So the space of the practices and the space of all us being practitioners is this space. And once in this space, the idea is, okay, what is our research object? What is our subject matter in each project? Yeah, Let's all look at that. This is a focus. This is a focal point. Yeah, And now the question is, how can we link our practices in a way that is efficient in order to disclose this uh, uh, subject matter? Yeah, And as an answer of this question, we develop ecologies of research and design practices. This is the approach that I'm really in love with and I really believe is able to provide a lot of enhancement in the field of research in general. One of them is the inclusion of artistic research as artistic research. Okay. And 
just moving on to what I understand is your current project, one that you're engaged with together with the Austrian multimedia artist, Nicolas Gunsterer, and it's called Contingent Agencies. And what is striking to me about this project is its foundation in a phenomenological analysis of previously undefined concepts, such as the presence of situations. You also suggest in this project that the results of basic artistic research can be developed into other areas of study. In other words, artistic research provides a foundational, a phenomenological foundational basis for other forms of research. I'd really like to hear you explore this idea in the context of this contingent agency project. Yeah, there are, I think, a lot of aspects, but let's point to two basic aspects in your question. So one is the relationship between artistic or, as I prefer, aesthetic research and phenomenology. Actually, this is a project in itself I'm developing, which kind of explicitly began in the third research pavilion in Venice, 2019, where I conceived and coordinated a research cell, which is a term that I coined in the framework of architectural embodiment and was very successfully used in order to articulate the research pavilion in Venice. And there I proposed this, uh, this research cell called Through Phenomena Themselves, which is a kind of variation of the famous sentence of Husserl to the things themselves, Suasache Selbst. And the idea there is that there is, or I believe there is, a common ground for two sets of research practices, phenomenological research practices and artistic research practices, and actually, this common ground is the idea of researching through phenomena. Yeah. So uh, I'm not saying that all artistic research proceeds this way. It is clear it is not the case. But there is a part of, or there's a kind of artistic research, and definitely of aesthetic research, which deals with phenomena as a starting point. So this means basically that we tend to our issues, our subject matters, as the way they appear to us. And this is a phenomenological approach. I mean, this is not yet phenomenology, but this is a phenomenological approach. And this is the approach we take in contingent agencies, as you said. So in this project, we are researching actually atmospheres or environments or places or sites. I mean, there are different terminologies or moods or stimmungen in different approaches in the humanities and then in sociology and, and anthropology. And... In this framework, so in the study of atmospheres or environments, we are researching something extremely specific, which is the agency of elements in a situation, or to be even more precise, the way these agencies condition the emergence of environments. Yeah. So the light I'm seeing in the back of your space, the books on the side, the clothing you're wearing, the media we are using, all these elements are endowed with agency. And now for us, the question is, how does these agencies develop and actualize themselves in order to condition the worlds in which we live in, so our environments? So it is a phenomenological take. And it is 
what I consider a kind of a post-phenomenological take, which I call inactivism, which is a cognitive approach where actually I'm at home in a conceptual terms. So this is part of your question. And the other part of your question is how the, let's call them results of the research, can narrow the uh, other fields of research and design. In this regard, I will come back to the idea of ecologies of research and design practices. So this model is an alternative model to the model of transmission or of knowledge generated in A to another area B in what they are used. Yeah. So this model, which is the predominant model, is based on a lot of premises I don't share. So the first one is that in the in the area A, in this case artistic research, there is a production of knowledge. So out of this area comes something which we call knowledge. Yeah. And that this output can be the input for other areas, which can be, in this case, for example, architectural design. Yeah, this is plausible. But for me, that's not work because I bring into question the first premise. So I don't think we are, in artistic research, I don't think we produce knowledge. I, do, I think we do something else. And this something else creates possibilities, conditions of possibilities for other practices to develop. But it's not the question of transmitting the product of A to B. It's a question of bringing practices together. Yeah? It's a model of coexistence instead of a model of transmission. Yeah, I mean, in order to really explain that, I have to go into, into the alternative of knowledge production and an alternative of the concept of knowledge, which I think is something we, we are going to touch in some moments. But this would be the way. I mean, this would be I'm not saying specifically how I imagine this to happen in contingent agencies, although I can, because actually I did in other projects, which is much more bringing architects, for example, in order to participate in our research, yeah, in order to transform the concept of architecture, of environment, of practice, of atmosphere, of environment. And from there on, from this transformation, which is the key word for me in terms of an alternative to knowledge production, they will be different architects and architecture will be a different architecture. Yeah. So it's a model based on transformation instead of transmission of production. Okay. Maybe I can push you a bit further to articulate your notion of aesthetic research, which you use in distinction to artistic research. And I'm particularly interested in the revival of the aesthetic, which has often been very looked down on in many sort of contemporary debates as a, a term that's freighted with too much weight from the past. And I was very excited to find in your discourse a re-examination and perhaps re-evaluation of the aesthetic relative to the artistic in the context of research. Yeah, this is really focus of my work. All these terms, art is not less heavy in terms of history, but all these terms, of course, aesthetic had a, a big uh, and heavy backpack. I can do this, I mean, I can talk about my concept of aesthetics and then my concept of aesthetic research 
connecting it to the concept of, or my alternative to the concept of knowledge. Yeah? The common base for these two shifts, conceptual shifts, is to be found, again, in the inactive approach to cognition. Yeah? The inactive approach to cognition actually proposes an alternative concept of cognition. If I talk about cognition without specifying it, people will think, well, cognition is something like rational thinking. Yeah. So we have on the one hand cognition, on the other hand, we have perception or the sensuous, yeah? which is a kind of development of the old platonic division between mind and body, which takes different forms in, in our history, at least in our European history, I have to say. And, and which express in terms of knowledge on one hand and experience on another hand, for example, in the work of Aristoteles. I think these dualities are the dualities on which our European culture is based. The inactive approach of cognition, coming from different trajectories, on the one hand, theories of autopoiesis, so biology and theory of systems, phenomenology, Buddhist practices, Come propose another concept of cognition, which does not fit at all with the idea of thinking about something, but much more the idea of transforming environment. To think in an activist terms is actually to live, and to live is to transform at the same time our self, the selves we are, not only humans, the selves we are, and the environments or the worlds that emerge in mutual determination with the self. This is cognition in an activist terms. So, if this is the case, what is aesthetics? Yeah? My first answer is, it can only be a way of acting. So it can only be a way of participating in this transformation, in this mutual and interconnected, interdependent transformation of selves and environment. So aesthetics, for me, first, is a way of participating in this process of sense-making. Okay, and now the big question is, how is this way? You know? And what is the difference between what I call aesthetic action and other forms of action. Yeah? Well, this is in itself a research project for me. What I can say now is that aesthetic action, which is the way I specify the term aesthetics, and it's clear I'm not talking about philosophical aesthetics. Yeah? So it's clear I'm basing my thoughts on another foundation, although it would be very easy to link this with the original ideas of Baumgarten in defining aesthetics as a form of knowledge, production, well, or as a kind of thinking. Let's say that. Aesthetic action is a way of participating in our common lives based on the primacy of sensomotoric and emotional ways of acting or of interacting, yeah, which leads and at the same time needs a minimization of target-oriented and will-based forms of action. I resist to talk this in terms of, well, this is a kind of embodied thinking, because in an activist terms, all thinking is embodied. But yeah, the body as flesh, yeah, the body as embodied routines of sensory, motor, and emotional action is what is active 
predominantly active in aesthetic action. Yeah? And this leads to another form of relationship to the environment in which we are not the ones who are controlling the action. We are participating in what I like to denominate a field of shared agencies. Yeah? And there is where the evolution of the selves and the environments acting aesthetically can bring what I like to call new intelligibilities. Yeah? So things begin to appear by themselves, by the spontaneous development of this interaction in other ways. Yeah? So this relates to the basic aesthetic experience, which I like to formulate with this very simple expression, I've never seen it like that. I think this is a genuine expression of aesthetic experience. And when, when I use this formulation, I like to specify some terms of this formulation. I, well, yeah, it's me. I've never seen it, but it's not only me. Yeah, so it's a me which is not only me. Where are the boundaries when I'm experiencing there? I don't know. I've never seen it. What is it? I don't really know. Everything, yeah, like that. And if someone would come and say, oh, how? What is this, that? We probably would say, in experience, I don't know. But not like that. Meaning not like I always seen it before, yeah? And I think there is where aesthetic research, which actually mobilizes this huge transformative potential of aesthetic action, ends. We don't know, but we have opened the doors and the windows and the roofs for other possibilities of seeing it. So I think that the function of aesthetic research, and that's the reason why I conceive aesthetic research as a fundamental research, is to disrupt, to destabilize sedimented concepts and visions. Things are not in a way. Things are not the way they appear. There is a link also to phenomenology. Things are not given. We constitute, we co-constitute them. Aesthetic research is a fundamental form of research that allows to open up, to disclose these things in order for these things, and of course for ourselves, to be in a different ways. Which ones? I don't know. Others have to continue there where we finish. Again, this is the idea of the ecologies of practices. Yeah. So no discipline has to do the whole work. You know, I mean, there is a huge pressure sometimes on artistic research. We have to change the world. Yeah, of course we have to do that, but we cannot do it alone. So let's let's work in the idea of a university. <laughs> let's go to the idea of a connection between different practices, specifying what we can expect from each kind of practices. Maybe to give this a more concrete example, how has this thinking manifested in your working relationship with Nicholas, the multimedia artist, who's participating with you on the Contingent Agencies project? Yeah, we are in the still long initial phase of the project because if you want to work so fundamentally so you need a lot of time especially at the beginning so we are organizing our first meeting in october 
where we invited people from different, we will say, disciplines, different practitioners in different kinds of practices in different media in order to share our basic sets of practices, which are practices of notation and practices of reflection. We are spending a lot of time also to understand what can notation and reflection mean in this context, meaning relating to this very specific subject matter, which is extremely tricky, yeah? So it's extremely subtle, non-objectifying, and so on. The agency in relation to an atmosphere, imagine, yeah? Ungraspable, yeah? So this approach begins there. In this workshop, there are going to be anthropologists, there are going to be architects, there are going to be visual artists, there are going to be language-based art uh, researchers. And we are going to share practices of notations and reflections. So we are going to work in different levels of destabilization, destabilizing the concept of notation, destabilizing the concept of reflection, destabilizing the relationship between notation and reflection, which means destabilizing seems like a negative term, but actually it's an extremely positive one, creating possibilities for all these, I prefer to say, practitioners and professionals, develop or open up disclose new intelligibles on this field. Also, of course, in this field of what is an atmosphere, how does an atmosphere comes to be, yeah? So I'm really looking forward to having this workshop and also it's going to be also a small, very small exhibition or exposition, as we would say in artistic research, and there will be also a public debate on that. But the way we are trying to, to do what I was explaining in a very general and abstract terms is actually creating frameworks of coexistence of practices. Yeah? And these frameworks are kind of sources for new developments because then everyone will come back to their places of affection. And this is a way of also disseminating, you know, in terms of practicing together. Now, I know, just to shift slightly, but I think your thinking obviously continues in this. I know you've been closely involved with the conceptualization of the Artistic Research and City Spaces Project, together with our friend and visiting professor in School of Architecture here at WITS, Professor Stefan Winter. This is a project that has attracted a number of colleagues, um, very pleased to say, from architecture and from across the School of Arts, you know, from architectural designers to digital artists to performance artists. And I think the challenge with this project is not just its international scope, as it links sites across Europe and in Africa, but also the range of different practices. And I wondered if you could give us your perspective on this project as it's starting to emerge and an outline of what your involvement is. Yeah, I think this is a fantastic project. So I'm really thankful for Stefan Winter and also to both schools of architecture and arts of Wits University to come up with this project. I think this is extremely promising and necessary project. I conceived this project, actually I would say I'm at work in this project on three different levels. On the first level, I, I try to support and to work, to collaborate with Stefan in the conception of the whole. Yeah, of course, he's the leading person and I'm, I'm really happy to help. And in regard to the whole project, I conceive this project as an international platform 
for a lot of different people and communities to develop projects linking artistic research and I would say the transformation of the city spaces. Yeah. And I would in my terms I would talk about so environments, so urban environments. And I think this is the first layer. Yeah. So it's fantastic to provide a common platform for all these projects to be developed, to communicate, to share experiences, to share methodologies, practices, and so on. The second level in which I am involved is what I consider to be a kind of a second structural level, is the level of different frameworks in this platform. Because, of course, it is necessary to have a common platform, but it's also necessary to have some spaces of differentiation. Yeah. So in this regard, I'm very, very happy to give you a kind of a, for the first time, a kind of a public uh, information. We are working on that still in, in private. So with my colleagues, uh, Lydia Gasperoni from Germany and uh, Mayu Lokola from Finland, we are conceiving a framework called actually Ecologies of Research and Design Practices. So our subject matter is environmental transformation. So this idea of architecture as a field of practices focused on not so much or not firstly on the design of objects, but much more in intervening in the transformation of environments. Yeah? Because there is always an environment. There is no tabula rasa. There is no white sheet of paper. You know, We never begin from nothing. So the idea is departing from this concept of architecture to provide, and this is our second focus, a methodological approach, ecologies of research and design practices, able to create frameworks of coexistence of artistic research practices and architectural research practices. We want to break this idea of here they are the artist researcher and here are the architects and let's kind of send some products from A to B and maybe from B to C. Well, this is not so efficient. Let's work together. You know, and this is also an idea that I think is super promising with the cooperation in the wits, which I think can have a, a leading position in this regard, creating a spaces of coexistence, of working together in the School of Architecture and the School of Arts. And the third level in which I am active in this project, uh, Artistic Research in the City Space, is my, let's say, personal work or more personal work or more individual work, maybe, which uh, is a, in itself a project that I call Dispositive for Very Slow Aesthetic Observation. In general, I denominate my practices, practices of very slow aesthetic observation, being aesthetic, what I tried to clarify before. And my idea is to develop these dispositives, this apparatus, so, so I, I learn from the ideas of Foucault, Agamben, Deleuze, and so conditions of possibility for this kind of very slow aesthetic observation. Somehow it's reiterative because aesthetics are very slow and the aesthetics are always forms of, of observation. But nevertheless, I make it explicit, bringing all these terms together. And my idea is to intervene in different environments. I hope Joburg, Paris, I mean, Berlin, Helsinki, hopefully Barcelona too, different, different places in which I can create these positives, these apparatus, actually to 
fulfill what I consider to be the function of aesthetic research, to allow other ways of seeing, other ways of appearing, other ways of appearance of this environment. It's a large, but I'm, I really, I mean, this is a sign that I'm really in love with this project and that I really believe in this project. And I, I, I think there is a very nice circulation for me, top down and bottom up between these three, three levels of work. I think so too, Alex. I'm really hoping that we can move forward with this project and find the necessary funding to make the connections possible. I want to, in the last topic for us to consider, is really the relationship between aesthetic research, artistic research, and the production of knowledge. And this is particularly important to us here in Africa. Very often, artistic research has been seen as a means by which forms of subjugated knowledge can be brought into the discourse of the academy or the university. You know, I think particularly of our Ethiopian colleague, Bahanu Ashagri, who very strongly insists on artistic research as a way in which these forms of knowledge that have been rejected or even stamped upon by the colonial project, the knowledge, the embodied knowledge of indigenous communities can be reclaimed and reinterpreted in a way that is meaningful in the contemporary climate. Yet I know that you've been very critical of claims in general, I know from a European perspective, that artistic knowledge Artistic research can produce alternative forms of knowledge. Could you expand on that? Yeah, I think we have to differentiate between terms and concepts. So, even though I don't use I don't use the same terminology of our uh, Ethiopian colleague, I think we are moving in the same direction. Yeah. So I would like to say this in advance. There are basically two terminological strategies, or even two conceptual strategies. One is to take one concept and one term and to expand it yeah for example the term knowledge and then we can if we expand it we can make differentiation like we can talk about knowing that we can talk about knowing how we can talk about embodied knowledge we can talk about this knowledge we can talk about, about this other knowledge this is a possibility my strategy is rather to use narrow sense of concepts and of terms especially and then to make differentiation, to use, to mobilize different linguistic resources in order to this differentiation. So in my work, I actually, Husserl resonates in what I'm going to say, I restrict knowledge to what Gilbert Riley called very famously and successfully knowing that. So knowledge is, I know that. So it's has a very clear uh, linguistic base, and this is a kind of had a kind of explanatory character. Yeah, so this is that. So I'm naming it, and I can explain how this works. Yeah, so I prefer this is just a strategy. I prefer to say, well, this is knowledge. Yeah, what about the other things? Well, we have the fantastic work skills, and we have also the fantastic term sense and sense making and environments and worlds. You know, which are different that the term meaning which for me falls in the sphere of knowledge yeah so in the sphere of knowledge things are meanings yeah but in the sphere of being in the world of course knowledge is being the world but of actively being the world of having incredible skills to navigate 
a huge varieties of worlds, you know, there is where I see that artistic research can develop. And there is where I see that this question of decolonization, which also for me relates clearly with the, I will even say, fight again, capitalistic uh, epistemics, you know. I think these two issues are extremely related. I'm convinced and I, I believe that artistic research and aesthetic research especially because this disruptive power I was talking before, yeah, can play an, an enormous role, yeah? So first of all, for me, it's breaking with the idea that, that things are, it's breaking with one of the keystones of European culture ontology, yeah? No, things are not. Things appear to us, we deal with things in different ways. So. There is a huge variety of possibilities, yeah? So let's affirm epistemic diversity from the very beginning. And in order to address exactly what you were talking about, yeah, all these different ways of being in the world, yeah, that can sediment in knowledge. But knowledge is like the upper part of an iceberg, yeah? I'm interested in the iceberg. Also in the upper part, I love to write and, and also to produce knowledge. Yeah, there is production of knowledge, but they say, huge field, you know, which is the field of life, actually, which cannot be reduced to production of knowledge. Yeah? So there is a huge field of environmental transformation. So what is to life? You know, what is to live? What, what is life? What is to live? How can we have a better, viable, common lives? I think every single person, every community have a lot to say about that and to do about that. And this is the field, I think, we should move towards, you know? So to break with these hegemonies of thought from the very basis, you know? And this is what also I'm in love with, with phenomenology, because this is the idea of, so we are dealing with phenomena. This is just how things appear to us. And let's see how does appear to you. And, and you know, I, this is the, I think these are the fields and universities are made for that. My God, unfortunately, they turn as every institution much too easily into positives or apparatus of, of control and of power. But actually, we are there for this. Yeah? And I see a huge potentiality in open up artistic research and situating artistic research in other cultural areas and, and other geographical areas. Both things, of course, are inevitably linked to one another because, yeah, because this is the world I, I want to live in. Alex, I think that's a very good and expansive and optimistic point for us to end on. So thank you very much for your time. And I'm greatly looking forward to hopefully engaging with you and colleagues on the Autistic Research and City Spaces Project, which promises to be an opportunity to actualize and engage with many of the ideas that you have raised here so eloquently so thank you very much thank you so much thank you so much you've been listening to a dialogue between myself Christo Doherty the head of artistic research in the Witt School of Arts and my guest Dr. Alex Ortega the European artist researcher this podcast was produced by Elna Schutz and was funded by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation as part of their support for the Arts Research Africa project in the Witt School of Arts, University of the Witwatersrand, Johannesburg, South Africa. 
The music for this podcast, Decompress, was composed by Lee Rosvier and is used under a Creative Commons license.